in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be our key verse. We're going to be spending some time here. I had a request to expound on the gifts of the Spirit, and I believe that that was even prompted by the Holy Spirit because it's something that a lot of people in the church today, even people in Pentecostalism, that are, have a measure of ignorance about the gifts of the Spirit and how they should function. Partly because they don't understand the person of the Holy Spirit himself. And he will never do anything contrary to his own nature. Do you understand? When the gifts of the Spirit are operated, if they don't bear the fruit of the Spirit, then it's questionable whether it was the Holy Spirit or not. Because he will never do anything contrary to his own nature. And what he does is going to be done in love and peace and joy and goodness and gentleness and meekness and temperance and long-suffering. And if it doesn't, then it's good possibility that wasn't Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand those things. So if you found your place, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away with these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the Spirit. To another, gifts, plural of healings, plural, by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Jesus Christ. Now, if you weren't here and you're just joining us for the first time, I'm going to recap just a little bit from last week's sermon. The word spiritual gifts there, it comes from the Greek word pneumatica, and it's a direct translation from the Hebrew word ruach, and it just means wind or breath. And actually what it is describing, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about the pneumatica, about the spiritual things of God, the way the Spirit works. His character, His nature, His force, His power, everything about who He is as a person. You need to understand these things, He's saying. God does not intend for His church to be ignorant about the person of the Holy Spirit and who He is and why He came and what He does. And He wants us to understand those things. It, the Spirit of God has been working throughout history. When God first created the world, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the water. The first thing we see is God's Spirit working. And he, when God breathed into the nostrils of Adam the breath of life, it was the, the, it was the pneumatical or the ruach. It was the breath of God, the life-giving force or source of God. His Spirit was breathed into man and man became a living soul. We see that happen again when Jesus was with his disciples and he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The Ruach, the breath of God, entered into man and he became a living soul. That happened to you the day that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you confessed him as Lord. He breathed into your body the breath of life and you were born again. 
Old things passed away and you became a new creation because the Spirit, the Ruach, the breath, the life source of God entered into your being and your spirit man came alive from the dead. And so he wants you to understand that. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. He intends for us to understand these things. And so we're looking at the gifts and the question is, are the gifts of God for today? And I did a, a kind of, I went a little bit deep into it. I'm not going to do that today. But we talked about in the minds of some people, that has passed away. It's called cessation. It means it has ceased. And um, we're going to look at just one more aspect of why cessation cannot be true. There is absolutely no spiritual basis for which they can point to and say, this is why we know that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. They've passed away. They ended with the what they call the age of the apostles. By the way, there is no such thing as the age of the apostles, except in the minds of some people. Because the Bible says that God gave to the church apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That means He gave them to the church. We're still the church. I mean, the church hasn't gone anywhere. Neither have the apostles. There are still people with apostolic anointing today in the church. So there's no such thing as an apostolic age. That was just created by men. And a lot of it, and I talked about it last week, this happened because people saw the abuses of the gift used in the church and said, that can't be God. And some of it wasn't God. God wasn't doing that. It was people's zeal or it was their emotions. And there's a lot of different things, but it wasn't necessarily the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm not saying it was all bad. It was just kind of extreme. And sometimes people would take that. I mean, God never told somebody to pick up a rattlesnake and dance around with it. You know, people get that. And well-intending people. You know, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. Well, they take that literally, meaning you're supposed to grab a rattlesnake by its tail. And brother, I'm going to tell you what, you bring a rattlesnake in here, I'm going to kill it. All right. I will take it up. All right. I'm going to take its stinking head off. You know, that though, actually the word there is was uh, a fizz. If it meant a literal rattlesnake, the Greek word would, be, would have been herpeton. It's a different Greek word. It's talking about in James, we tame four footed beasts and and uh, reptiles and different things. And, it's, and the word there is herpeton. It means a literal snake, a serpent. But when he says you'll take up serpents, he's not talking about taking a herpeton. He said enough is. It's a spiritual power. And he's talking about the serpent is a reference to Satan. And what he's saying is these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will take authority over spiritual powers. That's the serpent that he's talking about. In Luke 10, 19, it says, I gave unto them. He's talking about the 70. He sent them out. We'll be looking at it in a minute. I gave. Well, no, we won't get to that today. But he said, I gave unto them power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. He's talking about the enemy. He's talking about spiritual forces, spiritual powers, not a literal snake and a literal scorpion. It's a metaphor talking about spiritual entities. And said, and nothing shall by any means hurt, hurt you. And so anyway, I'm digressing here a little bit. Um, people, they, they've seen abuses and so they have assumed that the things of the first century church has, has ceased. 
But there is no scriptural basis to, uh, for which they can stand on to prove that because it's, it's not provable. He is a person, the Holy Spirit. Just like God is a person, Jesus took on the form of man and became literally a human being, but he was always a personality. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, Jesus Christ. He was a personality from the very beginning. Just like Elohim, Yahweh, whatever name is given to God, He is a personality. He has attributes. All right, He is omnipotent. What does that mean? It means He has all power. He is omnipresent. What does that mean? That means he's everywhere. You know, we get this idea that I don't want to bother God because he's got other important things to do. There's a lady over in Africa and her baby is dying and she has no doctor and she's calling out to God. That's important. He needs to be taking care of that. So I'm not going to bother him with my minute little thing over here in America. It's because we don't understand. God is omnipresent. In other words, His fullness and everything about Him and all of His power is there in Africa with that woman while at the same time all of His fullness and all of His presence and all of His power is here helping me with my my neat little thing. That's what omnipresence means. He's, he's, He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all powerful. And He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. He said that to Elijah or Jeremiah. And he says, and I formed you and I caused you to be a prophet. Even before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. So those are the attributes of God. Let me ask you something. When has any of those attributes ceased. The attributes of God don't cease. There is no end to His attributes. The attributes of Jesus has never ceased. He is the great I Am. He has always been the great I Am. He will always be the great I Am. That's never going to change. Now we look at the person of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 tells us he is a comforter and he is a teacher. These are some of the attributes about the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John chapter 16, verse 12 says that he is a guide. I still have many things to say to you. Now, I want you to get this, but you cannot bear them. Has Jesus told us everything? No, he said, there's some other things I would love to tell you, but you're not ready for that. Now, some people may argue that this was a reference to the apostles. And there were things that he was going to tell them so that they could finish the work and canonize the Scripture and give the Scripture to us. He says, there's many things I want to tell you, but you can't bear it. However, verse 13, when He, that's a capital H, the Holy Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truths. For He will not speak 
on his own authority, but whatsoever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So there's things that the Holy Spirit still wants to tell you. Now, let me just clarify something here. He will never tell you anything that contradicts this word. Anything that he reveals to you will never supersede this word. And if it is in contradiction to this word, it is not the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's be clear on that. Verse 14, he says, I will, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said, He will take of mine and declare it to you. So he's here to guide us. He's here to teach us. He's here to comfort us. Romans chapter 8 says that he's the giver of life. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We know from Acts 1.8 that he is the source of power. The Bible says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses unto me, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and that are most parts of the earth. So he gives you power. The word there is dunamis, and it means miracle working power. John 1.12 says, as many as believed on him, to them gave he power to be the sons of God, even those that believed on his name. So God, the day that we believed in Jesus, he gave you the word there is exousio. It means the ability to become something. So when I trusted Jesus, he gave me power. Exousia, the ability to become a child of God simply because I believed on his name. That doesn't mean I just gave mental ascension to the fact that Jesus is who he says he is. Because a lot of people believe that and they're going to go to hell. The word believe in the Bible doesn't mean just to give mental ascension to something. There are professors that teach the Bible in college that don't even believe the Bible. But they believe that Jesus was a character in history. They even believe that he was the son of God. The word believe means to have wholehearted trust and commitment to Jesus as the Son of God. So as many as had wholehearted trust and commitment to him, to them gave he power to be the sons of God. But it's when the Holy Spirit comes on you that you see the manifestation of his attributes. You receive dunamis. It's miracle working power. We get the word dynamo from it. It is a it is a thing known in the electrical engineering world. We don't know what it is. We just know that it is there. It's called dynamo. It is, the definition of dynamo is it is a recurring force that needs no outside assistance to aid in its function. You understand what I'm saying? It's just there. It just keeps going and going and going. Nothing makes it go. It's just there. They don't know what it is. That is the best description I know of the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. It is an outside, that it is a reoccurring force that's inside of you. It needs no outside assistance to aid in its function. It's just there. And it just keeps going and going and going. So he's the giver of power, the source of power. Also, his attributes is reflected in the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. His attributes is love. And joy and peace is long-suffering. It is goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, and temperance or, or patience. 
These are the attributes of the Holy Spirit, just like God is omnipotent, He's omnipresent, He's omniscient. Each has their own attributes. The Holy Spirit also has the attributes of a gift giver. And when His presence is in, in the house, He manifests His presence through His attributes of words of knowledge, words of wisdom, revel, uh, uh, of, of, of faith, of miracles, of discernment of spirits, gifts of healings, tongues, and interpretation. And let me tell you something. None of the attributes of God has gone anywhere. None of the attributes of Jesus has gone anywhere. And none of the attributes of the Holy Spirit has gone anywhere. So I think I've labored the point enough. Cessation, teaching, has no scriptural basis. Are you with me? Say amen. The Holy Spirit is the same, just like God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Whew. Now, you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about that. Amen. So are the gifts for today. Let's pray. Father, as we open this up today, Lord, I'm going to take just about 10 more minutes, and we're going to cover one of these. And, God, I pray that you would just speak to us today. Lord, you've already done an amazing thing. And, God, I just pray today, Lord, that you clarify us just maybe a little bit more detail over the next weeks as we study this, what we're seeing happen in our services this morning, just like what we saw here today, God. That was a manifestation of your presence. Lord, you told us you didn't want us to be ignorant about those things. So we need to take time, Lord, to understand what you did here today and how the Holy Spirit has manifested his presence so that we do understand that. Not only that you're doing something, but what you're doing and why. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to give us clarity of thinking today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, we pointed out last week, he said, I don't want you to be like the Gentiles who were swept away with their doctrine because they believed in working up this fervor so that, their so that their spirit or demon or whatever would manifest. You don't have to do that with the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is just love God. You don't have to play the music just right. You don't have to get the lights just right. You don't have to be in church. You just have to just be you. And the Holy Spirit will use you. And He can use you at some of the most amazing times. And sometimes he's using you and you don't even know it. He manifests his presence in you and you don't even know it. And that is so awesome. I love it. All right. So you don't have to work that up. Um, I, I remember one time I heard um, some of our, our good old God bless them Pentecostal brethren and, they, and, and when the charismatic renewal was kind of sweeping through they were criticizing choruses man they sing that chorus I go down there and they sing the same song over and over and over and over again I'm like how many times did we sing oh I'll fly away oh glory and sing the chorus over and over they're doing the same thing you did because what, what are we doing? We're trying. At some point, we had a service and we were thinking, I'll fly away. And boy, the Holy Spirit fell. And so the next time we got together, it's like, we want the Holy Spirit to move again. Hey, we pull out the song. Everybody gets the song about to turn to page 235. We're going to sing, oh, I'll fly away. And we're trying to recreate the same atmosphere so the Holy Spirit will move again. It's kind of like the chickens down at the chicken house. 
they, they, they get this daily ration of feed, you know. And they'll sit there and pack their daily ration and they'll lay their eggs, you know. Well, one day the auger broke. And this thing dumped food, man, they were just gorging themselves like, whoa, man, we have gone to heaven, you know. And so the next day the guy came in and he fixed the auger and he just dumped just a little portion. He's like, what is up with this? They said, man, we want another outpouring. And so one chicken says to the other chicken, said, well, what were you doing? He said, I was picking my wing. He said, everybody, pick your wing. So everybody's picking their wing. He said, that didn't work. He said, well, what were you doing? One of them said, well, I was standing on one foot. He said, everybody's standing on one foot. So they're like, we do that. It's just, we're just kind of, we try to, you don't have to do those things. That's what he's saying. Don't be ignorant about the Holy Spirit. Like the Gentiles, they work it up. They try to reproduce. They use repetition and all these things. Just love Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's got a candidate he can work with right there. Amen? And he wants to do that. Now, we, we looked at, we're looking at there's nine gifts. And last week I got all the way through the word of knowledge. Hallelujah. Today we're going to take the word of wisdom and, and I'm going to nail this thing and we're going to go eat. Um, because God, he works. I'm looking. Where's is, is Rebecca being in the house? Wave at me. She, she's teaching. Well, she won't mind, I, I don't think. Last night, we had the marriage seminar. By the way, Jeannie did an awesome job with that. She really did. She was so nervous. And I, I told her, I said, baby, come on, baby. You're going to do a great job. God's going to use you. And, and she did. And at the end of it, we had communion. And uh, all, the husband, I, I may not even get to the teaching this morning. And we had communion. And, and uh, she had all the, the, the husbands come up and get communion and take it back to their wife. And Rebecca's standing back there, and she saw the husbands go up. And, and, and we say the Lord told me, and I kind of want to get away from that because a lot of people get use that a lot, you know. Well, God told me this, God told me that. I had an impression, all right? And, and it may not mean anything to you. This is a very good way to it. may not mean anything to you, but share something. I think it was God. But if it wasn't, just disregard it. Okay, let's kind of go from that approach. So she's like, I just had this impression that when the men went up, that the Lord said, these are my precious jewels. And she said, and I could see a hand put a crown on their head. Did you hear that? These are my precious jewels. And she saw a hand put a crown on their heads. Because Jeannie said, you're the, you're the high priest in your home. And when she said it, I teared up. I'm like, I said, Rebecca, when I was in Bible college, I was in class, and a prophet was teaching our class, and he stopped and he started prophesying over the students. And when he got to me, he said, the hand of the Lord is upon you. He said, I see you digging into a mountain, digging deep into the mountain, bringing out those precious stones and those precious gems. He said, I see you going into another place afar and away. I see you going into Virginia and West Virginia. And that's when I said, you're in the flesh. I've told you that story before. But I said, that's the first time I have had a confirmation to that prophecy. Because you are those precious gems that God has sent me to dig out of the mountain. Amen. It, see how the Holy... She was just here. And the Holy Spirit manifested. 
in her a word of knowledge. Just to bless me and, and to bless her, you know, and now to bless you. And so the <clears throat> word of wisdom is, a, is the supernatural ability to apply knowledge. Because you can, you, can, uh, you can have knowledge and not have a clue what to do with it. Right? We, we get knowledge either through natural means, just by what we learn from life, or by supernatural means, like a word of knowledge. God, God may give you a word of knowledge, but it's like, okay, now what do I do with it? I've got it. What do I do with it? The word of wisdom is the ability to apply that knowledge. When, where, and how the Holy Spirit wants you to use it. I mean, we have knowledge that a car has power. Wisdom dictates that you don't give the keys to a 10-year-old and say, okay, take her for a spin. Right? So we can have knowledge and be very dangerous with it. But the Holy Spirit wants to give us wisdom so that we have the ability to know how to apply that knowledge of where, when, and how, and what to do with it. We see biblical examples. We see uh, uh, Paul, he's on a ship, and they, they're wrecked in Cyprus. Now, wisdom would dictate that the ship is going to sink, throw everything overboard. So they did. The storm, it was called, the storm was called Arachlodon. It was a, like a hurricane. And, and the ship is going down. Also, wisdom dictates that the ship's going down, abandon ship, so that you don't get pulled down with it. But the angel of God came to Paul and said, everybody stays on the ship, they'll live. And so he tells him, the angel stood by me this night and said that the ship will be lost, but your lives will be saved if you will stay on the ship. See, that is the word of wisdom. Because wisdom, human wisdom says, get off and get off now because it's going, you're going to get caught up in the tackle or the suction's going to pull you down, you're going to drown. You abandon ship if it's going down. But the word of wisdom gave them the ability to know what to do in the time to do it. We see another story in the Old Testament of Elisha. I love Old Testament stories, don't you? We see Elisha. And Elisha, he just minding his own business. And Jehoram, Jehoram was the son of Ahab. Everybody know who Ahab is? Ahab was the king of Israel. Their capital's in Samaria, it's the northern kingdom. In the, in, the, in the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, Jehoshaphat is the king. Now Jehoshaphat is a godly king. Jehoram is the son of Ahab and Jezebel. All right? Ungodly king. All right? Now the Moabites, they paid tribute there was a there was Moab. He was a sheep breeder, and so he would pay tribute to Ahab for using their pasture. Certain amount of wool and certain amount of sheep he would give him as a, as rent. They still actually do that in the Middle East, and so he was paying rent to him. Well, Ahab died, and Moab said, "I am not paying his son tribute," and so. He's going to go to war with Moab. So he goes to the south and says, Jehoshaphat, Moab has done this and this to me. Will you come and help me fight with him? And he said, sure, I'll go with you. And so they go and they get, they get, uh, uh, he said, which way are we going to go? He said, we will go the way of Edom. Now the word Edom means red. The Edomites were the descendants of, of Esau, which meant red. He was a red-headed person. Red's beautiful, isn't it? Amen. <laughs> Good to see you, Jasmine. Jasmine, beautiful red-headed girl over here, isn't she? 
And so it meant red. And so they went the way of Edom and they picked up the king of Edom. So now you got three kings. You got the king of Judah, the king of Israel, and the king of Edom. And they went in a circle for seven days and there was no water. And though they said, alas, the Lord has brought us out here, we three kings, to kill us and turn us over to the Moabites. And Jehoshaphat says, is there not a prophet that we can ask? And one of them says, yeah, Elisha, who watered the feet of Elijah, is here. And Jehoshaphat said, that man hears from God. And so they go to him, and in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, it says, And Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet? And they said, Elisha. And he said, When he saw him, this is what he said, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. He's talking to Jehoram. He said, Because Ahab's parents worshipped Baal and Asherah. Remember, Elijah called him out on Carmel. He killed 450 prophets of Baal. Remember that? 150 prophets. So go ask your prophets. What do I have to do with you? If you want to know what to do, go ask your prophets. What are you coming and asking me for? And then he said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regarded the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Now what is Jehoshaphat doing? He's just there. He's not working anything up. He's just there. And the Holy Spirit, see, the Holy Spirit works the same in the Old Testament as in the New. I don't know if you realize that or not. The gifts of the Spirit operated in the Old Testament. He just didn't dwell in us. He would come up on them, not dwell in them. But the manifestation of the Spirit was the same. They raised the dead. Elijah raised the dead. Remember, he went to the widow and told her, said, give me the, the last bit of bar meal and oil that you have and feed me. And so she did a word of wisdom. What happened? Her oil never ran out and her meal never ran out. Not only that, but her son died and he raised him from the dead. What is that? That's the manifestation of miracles. Elijah didn't do that. The Holy Spirit did that. So here they are. Jehoshaphat, he just, he's just come, he's along for the ride. He's not doing a thing, but he's a godly man. He loves the Lord. So verse 15 says, now bring me a musician. And it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus saith the Lord, make these valleys full of ditches. What is that? It's a word of wisdom. Dig this valley, just dig ditches all in the valley. And it says, for thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor will you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you can so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. Now what happened was Moab came to fight against the three kings, and when he looked into the valley, because this is Eden, remember? What does Eden mean? Red. He saw the reflection of that red on the face of the water and thought that it was blood. And he thought the Israelites had already been defeated and they went down and he said, to the spoils, Moab. And so they ran down to get the spoils and the children of Israel annihilated the Moabites. Because God, he heard from God, he said, dig the ditches. God's going to fill it up with water so that you can drink. But God had a bigger plan. He's going to defeat the Moabites. Elisha didn't know that. This was a word of wisdom. It is how to apply the knowledge that God gave you to have the outcome that the Holy Spirit intended. And this happens all the time. We see the probably the most notable is Solomon. 
Remember the, the, the woman brought the baby? Both of them had babies. One of them laid on her baby and it died. And she switched babies in the night. And they came the next morning. She said, it's my baby. No, it's mine. And he said, I don't know whose it is. Give me a sword. I'll cut it in half and give you both a half. And the real mother, of course, remember? That was a word of wisdom. The last one we see in Acts chapter 15 is when certain brothers came down and they were arguing about circumcision. And they said, Barnabas and Paul, they said, I don't know what we're supposed to do. The Jews are saying you're supposed to be circumcised if you're a Christian. And they said, they go back and they ask Peter and the, the apostles. Peter rises up and says, you know, a good while ago, I was with the Gentiles talking about Cornelius. And the Holy Spirit fell on them just like he did on us at the beginning. Why are we going to put a yoke on them that our own fathers couldn't stand? And so they batted this back and forth. And then uh, Paul and Silas spoke up in a chapter, uh, verse 13 of Acts 15, verse 13. It says, and after they had become silent, James. Now, James is the pastor of the church there. I pointed out last night he was a phlegmatic. He just, he's just sitting back taking it all in, you know. And then he answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, talking about Peter, has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people of his own name. Verse 15. And this is the word of the prophets agreed. Just as it is written, After this I will return and will build the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will rebuild its ruins. I preached on that one time. They set the tabernacle up on the hill, and it wasn't behind a veil. The Holy of Holies, remember it was behind a veil, and only the high priest could go in. The tabernacle of David wasn't like that. It set up on Shiloh and everybody could see it. Everybody could approach the Holy of Holies. And he's saying in the last days, I'm going to rebuild that tabernacle. Listen, there is no veil between you and God. Yeah. Amen. He has rebuilt the tabernacle of David. It's the tabernacle of praise. We can all come before his gates with thanksgiving. We can all enter his courts with praise. We can all say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Man. And so... He said, I'm going to do that. Verse 19, verse 18, known to God from eternity are his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who have turned to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from strange things strangled and from blood. Then you skip down to verse 28 and it gives you the answer of what the Holy Spirit has just done. He, he sends them to, he sends out people, said, take this writing to all the churches and say, this is the only thing we require of you. You abstain from idols, abstain from sexual immorality, things strangled and from eating blood. And so they take it out. And then verse 28, this is what they wrote. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. And when did the Holy Spirit speak? He spoke through James, through the manifestation of the word of wisdom. Are you seeing this? And to us, to lay upon you no greater things than any goes on and explains it. Now, let's wrap it up with this. Sometimes we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us a word of wisdom. But we don't always listen. Have you ever had a feeling or a, a sensation, a sense? I shouldn't be here. I should leave. You know, you go to a party, they're doing drugs or drinking or they're doing something or whatever. You're in an atmosphere and you're like, this is not good. This is bad. I shouldn't be here. I should leave. But you don't. Something bad happens. And then you say, I should 
have listened to my gut. Well, it wasn't your gut. Come on. What was that? Could it not be just a simple, natural, supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit saying, this is not a good place for you to be. Wisdom dictates that you leave. This is not something you should do. Wisdom dictates that you should not do this, but you do it anyway. It turns out bad and he's like, I knew better. I knew better. I shouldn't have done this. Well, how did you know better? It wasn't a lucky guess. It wasn't your gut. It was the Holy Spirit manifesting something in you which is called the Word of Wisdom. We often fail to recognize this gift, I believe, above all other gifts. This is the one that goes most unrecognized. We think, well, I just figured it out or I just knew. No, you didn't figure it out. You didn't just know. The Holy Spirit manifested His presence to give you a word of wisdom if you will just listen to it and do what He tells you to do. It'll work out better for you. Amen? And so we should listen. We call it conviction. Well, sometimes it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It is. He's convicting you to be wise in this situation. Listen and do what I'm telling you to do. It'll be good for you. You'll have a much more harmonious outcome. Amen? And so, I think it is one of the most unrecognized and humble gifts out of all the nine gifts of the Spirit is the Word of Wisdom. It's kind of like Barney Fife. How many of you know who Barney Fife is? All right. I heard it. This is the best explanation. You know, Barney, he's, he's always figured he needs to come up with these great ideas. You know, and Andy's just kind of fluffing him off. And then all of a sudden, he's kind of calmed down and he says something. And Andy said, that's it, Barney. That's it. It's a great idea. And Barney's like, what? What? That's the word of wisdom. We'll, we'll say, we'll come up with some great ideas. Like, that's it. That's great. And you're like, what? What? Because I think the Holy Spirit uses it a lot of times. And we don't even know he's using us. Because listen, it's not about what you did. Are you hearing me? It's not about what you did. It's about what the Holy Spirit is doing. You are just the flawed vessel that He chooses to use to do it. That's why I sit and say, God, I'm the last person I would ever choose to do some of this stuff. Why would you do that? That's not false humility. God, I, I look across this room, I see dozens of people that could do a much better job at this than I do. But God uses us, even though you've got all kind of flaws and stuff. Isn't that encouraging? Amen. And He's going to manifest wisdom in you. How many of you are going to listen? Amen. All right, I'm done. You can stand to your feet if you would. Praise God. We don't boast about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's what he did. Now, next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about discerning the spirits and we're going to get in and talk about demons and all. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm going to show you some stuff about demons you didn't know. Amen. Amen. Are you scared of demons? No. God is bigger than the boogeyman, He's bigger than Godzilla or the monster on TV. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He watches over you and me. I'm a demon stomper. Amen. Praise God. 
What hasn't it been a good day to be in the house of God? Oh, praise you, Jesus. Well, let's give him praise. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for the manifestation of your presence here today. God, thank you for giving us understanding. God, you told us you don't want us to be ignorant about these things. So, Lord, we try to go through them and explain them and understand them the best we can. And, Lord, the good thing about it is while we're trying to work this out, the Holy Spirit is right here to guide us and to teach us and to lead us into all truth. Because he's telling us about who you are, Jesus. He's listening to you and he's relaying to us the things that you're saying, Lord, the things that are still yet to come. God, the disciples, they didn't have to deal with the things that we deal with today, Lord. So there's many things that you could tell them, but they weren't able to understand that. God, they didn't understand the Internet and pornography. I mean, they, they, they wouldn't even know what you were talking about. So, Lord, we're in a whole different time and an age. And, Lord, the Holy Spirit is revealing things to us today that He couldn't reveal back then. And, and we need to know them. So, Lord, God, help us to understand that you are still the same today as you always been. And you're still speaking and revealing things to the body of Christ. Your attributes are still the same, Holy Spirit. And we welcome you each and every time we come together. But not only that, but when we leave this place, Holy Spirit, we invite you to walk with us and guide us and direct us. Keep us from stumbling. Keep us from making bad decisions and bad choices. Give us words of knowledge, O oh God. Give us words of wisdom. Holy Spirit, direct us so that we don't stumble and fall. And if we do, we know that you're there to guide us back to the right path. God, I thank you that you are our anchor to keep us. And if we go astray, you're also the one to come and find us and bring us back. Oh, God, just so many things you've revealed today. Lord, it really wasn't even in our plans. And, and we thank you for that. And we receive it now, Lord. We pray, God, that there's something that's happened in our life. Lord, Brian prayed when he opened up this morning. Lord, help us to leave here different than when we come. To leave better than we were when we got here. And I pray that that's happening, God. Now, I pray for the, those that are assembled here, God. If there's one person here today that's not right with you, God, maybe they don't even know you. They're not a child of God. Lord, today that they would trust you as Lord and Savior of their life and truly, wholeheartedly trust and commit their life to you. Not just give mental ascension to who you are, but completely and totally commit their life to you and trust you. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we pray for our time of fellowship together. We pray for the food that's been prepared, Lord. We pray you bless the food. You bless our fellowship, Lord. And when we finish up today, Lord, and we leave, I pray a blessing over each home, God. May it be a refuge. May it be an escape from the world, a place where the Holy Spirit is honored and welcomed. May you strengthen relationships between husbands and their wives, children and their parents, siblings, one with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you at the dinner table. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.